Robbie. Yo. Are you fired up about our new official title sponsor? I really am excited. Bro, we talking level up gutters out of Youngsville, Louisiana. Have you ever heard of them, Robbie? I haven't. Bro, I just bought a new house. No joke, no game. I called the competition. I can't get a call back. Won't give me a free estimate. Can't make time for me. I'm talking about level up gutters out of Youngsville, Louisiana. They don't care if you live in Lake Charles. They don't care if you live in New Orleans. They don't care if you live in Alexandria. They're going to give you the free estimate. They're going to give you the personal touch. They're going to make sure you get what you need to succeed because level up gutters, they're winners. And winners win. Winners win. Go like Level Up Gutters on Facebook. The phone number you need to call if you want that free estimate is 337-257-5149. That's 337-257-5149. Don't forget, winners win when you level up. Level Up Gutters. Come back. We're going straight to week number 10, November the 5th, at home. No one likes to talk Bama. I fucking hate Bama. But we promised you we'd cover every big game. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm I'm in the studio by myself tonight. But the boy Jay, he is called in. We got him here live. And... I, to be honest, you could call me Michael Jordan. I'm playing through a flu game right now. I feel like shit. This is going to be a flu game-like performance from me. But it ain't about me. Jay, how you doing? Doing good, man. But you said you're sick, but I, I really thought about calling in sick because it's Alabama. Oh, God. That would have <laughs> been a good idea. But we, we promised we'd go over all the big games. So this is week 10. It, Week nine was a bye week. Of course, Bama gets the bye week too. And uh, it's at home. That's one thing we got going for us. And we're brushing this one off because we hate Bama. We know the history of Bama. They've broke our hearts. We hate them. But when I when you really just go down to the basics of this game, Jay, uh, anything could happen, dude. We shouldn't even play with them last year. You know what I mean? Like, I, real, like my, my bones just want to say, Oh yeah, well, well, that's a loss, and everyone is. Everyone, just go. You go ahead and chalk. Uh, Bama is a loss, but like, would you, would you realistically be super surprised if we beat Bama? No, not uh, realistic. I wouldn't be that surprised. I mean, I, I hope for it every year, like you said. But if they actually do beat them, then I wouldn't be say, "Oh, I knew it, I knew it." No, I didn't know it, but I would like to. You know, you're always in the back of your mind that you want to. There's a chance, man. It always seems like there's a chance because Alabama and LSU put the most guys in NFL. So the roster is not even by no means, but it's more even than Alabama, Ole Miss, you know, Alabama, Arkansas, 
just because of all the talent that comes through LSU. I, I totally agree with that. And I think scores in the past, we've had some got blown out a couple times, but there's been times when we've played with them and we shouldn't have. And I think you're dead on on why that happens. Jay, I'm, I'm looking at 2021 uh, Alabama team who, who lost a national championship game to Georgia. I'm looking at their schedule last year. Did you know they played so many close games to teams? Whenever Yeah, they played a lot. Go ahead. Go ahead. They played Florida. They said- 31 to 29. They played, they lost to AM. They played LSU 20 to 14. They played Arkansas 43 to 35. And they played overtime to Auburn 22 to 24. I mean, they yeah, played some, four overtimes. Oh, yeah, you're right. Four overtimes. I mean, uh, I know they were down because the 2020 Alabama team. Uh, I don't. I don't agree with this statement. Because, uh, you can't expect me to agree with this statement. But a lot of people say 2020 Bama could be one of the greatest teams of all time, up there with 2019 LSU, the old Miami teams, and Nebraska teams, etc. But I have seen them on a lot of lists. The COVID Bama team. Yeah. And uh, so I know they lost a lot, but I also didn't realize they had that many close games last year. Did you? Yeah, I can remember them. I thought Florida should have beat them, and I remember Arkansas was right there. I'm not saying Arkansas should have beat them, but they was right there to tie the game up at the end of the game and just didn't happen, man. And I really think if Knicks would have stayed in the game against Auburn and if he would have played as good against LSU as he did against Bama, then I think that Auburn probably should have, could have beat them, you know. And that's uh... – a. And uh, Auburn beat him in 2019. I was because I remember we were uh, at the LSU A&M game when we won the Natty that year, and I remember Auburn beating them. Mm-hmm. So that means Alabama's won the last two. It's a uh, man. That's a that really is a crazy. Uh, I know it's not all about Bama and all, but that's a crazy rivalry, man. They there's been games where teams that should not have won those games have won those games, and it, it's it's just kind of wild. The Auburn team last yeah. year had no business going to four overtimes with them. No. And you talk about Auburn, Alabama, the one of the most memorable non-LSU college football memory that I have has to be that kick six, man. Has to be. I think that's one of those things everyone remembers right where they was when oh, that happened. Man, you could have swore that I I was an Auburn fan my whole life that game. I was literally jumping up and down in front of my TV, Jay. Oh, I was too. That's crazy. I, I was living in De Quincey. I remember right in front of my TV, in front of the couch, I was jumping up and down when he was running. Was that, uh, was that after Stratton Moji Grass or no? That was right after that. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't good. <laughs> that, I definitely remember where I was when that happened. I'm, I'm going to touch on some some nuggets from this, uh, this 2022. Oh, yeah, by the way, we said they lost a national championship to Georgia. Thank God, by the way, right? I mean, you were definitely pulling for Georgia that game, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I know you're uh, – we've talked about it on former podcasts where you said Georgia's kind of team that if they're playing Alabama or they're playing Florida or they're playing Arkansas, you're going to pull for Georgia. You kind of It's kind of just a team you pull for. You don't really give a fuck about them, but you kind of pull for them. Yeah, yeah. But I think everybody had to be pulling for Georgia for that one. Everybody outside the state of Alabama. Well, Auburn fans are pulling for Georgia too, I guess. I have a I have a quick question, Jay. Have you ever heard of uh, Alabama fatigue in college football? Yeah. Do you that's do you think that's a real thing? 
Yeah, that's why I think everybody roots against them because they're just tired of them, man. Alabama fatigue just, is a real fucking thing. Yeah, they're just tired. I mean, it's just it's it's time for that for Saban to retire. He's seventy years old and won seven national titles. It, it's time for him to give it up. Go, he's ruined the go fucking play golf. game. <laughs> yeah, go play golf and, and go about your business. Go fishing on a lake, whatever you like to do. Watch your here. dog shit in the yard. I don't know anything, man. It's, I had enough. It's. I, I really think Bama fatigue. I, I've listened to podcasts of people who are just casual college football fans, and they'll say, "Why would I watch college football? It's just going to be Alabama at the end of the year playing Ohio State yeah. or Clemson." And like Clemson, thank God they fell off a little bit. They were starting to fatigue me. Thank God we put them six feet under in 2019. I, I mean, I low key hate Dab- Dabo Sweeney. I mean, absolutely, <laughs> he is an absolute worst. But. I just I was just curious if you thought Bama fatigue was a real thing. So so who did you root for when Alabama played Clemson? If you don't like oh Dabo, God, I had it was Clemson, Jay. That's how much yeah, I, I got to be. It was Clemson. It has to be. I fucking hated it, yeah. but it was Clemson. Then three years in a row where Alabama played Clemson in the finals was was something. That was miserable. No, no, no I'm saying it was something that to watch with uh Deshaun Watson that one year. That that was really that was some really good games. And I rooted for Clemson every time. I remember we watched one at Brian Brown's house. Yeah, I think that's one the year they lost. Okay. The first year they lost. It. I do remember that. So a couple little nuggets I have of uh from Bama for twenty twenty two. They returned the Heisman trophy winner, Bryce Young. What what's your just initial thoughts of Bryce Young? If I'm sorry if I said Brian Young, Bryce Young. Bryce Young, oh, I think he's a really good quarterback. He's probably one of the better quarterbacks that they've had at Alabama in recent years, and, and I mean that's saying a pretty good bit because you know they had AJ McCarron, uh, the guy that went, I can't, Mac Jones, uh, Blake Sims, uh, Coker. I mean they have some, they have some good quarterbacks, not great quarterbacks, but good. My least favorite, Jones, Tua. Oh, Tua, Jalen Hurts. I forget about. I'm sorry, I forget about them too. You know. So they had some good quarterbacks, and Bryce is probably the most pro-ready quarterback, you know, that they've had. I think. I mean, everybody was drooled over Tua, which I think Tua all, was good. I think all he did was he throw was, slants to the fastest wide receivers in football. Yeah, I mean, he was good, but if you look at his numbers um, when they played uh, Alabama A and M um, and Coastal University and uh, you know, wherever, Minnesota, something like that. You know, the, the weak teams that they always schedule in cupcake games, he would put up four to 500 yards. But when he played, they looked at a stat, when he played the top 30 defenses, he was like 50% completion. His touchdown interception ratio was exact same. It was like six and six. He just, he wasn't as good He's, as everybody had put him out to be. I think to he me. was overrated. I think he threw slants to the fastest wide receivers and the best wide receiver core maybe in the history of college football. And I, I, I just go back and watch two highlights. He literally is either throwing a deep ball of somebody who got behind the defense because they are an NFL. They run a four, three flat, or he's throwing a slant on a DB who cannot guard Henry Ruggs, who cannot guard Jerry Judy, who cannot guard the, what's, what's the name of that fast? Uh, Smith. Smith. Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner. Jalen Waddle, yeah. the fastest fucking wide receiver I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I think he just had the the one of the sickest wide receiver cores of all time. I think he's a tad overrated. I hope it shows in the NFL. Don't, don't uh, 
don't worry, don't forget to mention is a uh, all American offensive line in it too. That's a fact. It's a uh, he he was born on third base as a. Jim Harbaugh would quote people. Some people are born on third base and don't know it. And Tua was born on third base. Screw him. Yeah, he might have been born with a lead too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a fact. So uh, another another uh, player comes to mind. Will Anderson. I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, and some are saying he could be taken. He is the best player, draftable player for next year. Some are saying taken number one overall. Some are saying guaranteed top three. I don't know who's going to be the first pick or what their needs are going to be. Yeah. I looked at a, a mock draft the other day, and they had actually had Bryce Young going number one, had uh, Stroud going number two, yeah, and had uh, Anderson going number six, which like was top six in the NFL. That's still big time, man. That that is big time. I uh, he, I know this is later. I have it down the list, but Anderson had seventeen and a half sacks last year. Seventeen and a half. I did. Uh, that is a ridiculous number, and I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um. Arden Key for LSU, his sophomore year, he went nuts. He had 13 sacks and tied LSU's single-season record. This dude had 17 and a half. Golly, the man, that feels like such a long time ago, but I do remember Arden having that great year. He was electric, dude. Yeah, his sophomore year, he was something, man. He was something, dude. And, and uh, I, that was, that's a great stat. I did not remember he was 13. I remember him going for the record and tying it. But Will Anderson having 17 last year. 17 and a half. He had 15 and a half going to the playoffs. Another so. another notable name. Boy, this one irks me, Jay. Eli Ricks on their roster. And they have him. They don't even have him projected to start, man. No shit? Yeah. I've looked at uh Who's their DBs if, if Eli Ricks – I mean, I don't like Eli Ricks. He's an asshat, but golly, he was, he's pretty fucking good. Yeah, but – they got five stars waiting in line. You know? uh, you're right. They they pump them out every year. They've got a library full of them. If he's not starting, that will absolutely blow my mind. I can't wait to. I, I will remember to look at that because that that's so impressive. And it wouldn't surprise me at all because they're they're loaded. Saban, you know, he's in touch with the DBs. He, I mean, hell, he coaches them every day. He's still a DB at heart. I seen him doing drills on Twitter yesterday with DBs. I don't know who the hell shared that, and I was watching it. But that's gonna go. Yeah, they got, go ahead. They got a uh, Kyrie. Jackson and uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry as a list of projected starters. Wait, wait, wait. I got Eli. Give me that name one more time. Kool-Aid McKinstry. As in, and you spell it like Kool-Aid the Packet? Just like Kool-Aid the Packet. K-O-O-L-A-I-D. Kool-Aid. So his mom decided that his name was going to be Kool-Aid. Yeah. Jesus so, Christ. So now the, he's one of the better names. And we talked to that on one of the previous podcasts, how Smoke Monday and Pig Cage were the best two names in the SEC. Well, Kool-Aid McKinstry is definitely the best name in the SEC. And then in the um, Big Ten, you have Dakotas Crawford. And so I did see <laughs> Dakota signed an NIL deal with an air conditioner company in, in, Nebraska, yeah. <laughs> in Nebraska. So yeah, that was a pretty good one. So if Kool Aid, he needs to get on that NIL train. I know. I mean, I mean, come on, Kool Aid, tighten up, pay the guy. <laughs> so that going into my notes, the next thing I have is this is Nick Saban's 16th season. Jay, his record at Alabama. Is 178 and 25 is what I have it, and it was surprising to me in two ways. 
one, it was so good, but also I didn't think he's lost 25 games in Alabama. To be like, all I think of is 13 and one seasons, a 14 and 0 seasons, 13 and one seasons. Right. He lost uh, the first year. I know he had a rough year. Yeah, he went seven and six the first year. I do. I did know that, but it's still I still couldn't you know, gather the other you know, nineteen losses. You remember one of their uh, remember one of their big big losses in two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Let me see. I'm not gonna cheat. Uh, was it ULM? ULM. Uh, that one. I don't. <laughs> I don't even know the score to that game. I just know that one. Yeah, that. I, oh yeah, they lost to ULM. Was uh was the was the coach the old Sulphur coach was he coaching ULM? No, I don't think so. Was his name Vitor? What was his name? Vitor? Vitor? Matt Matt Vitor? No, I don't think so. Shout out Jeremy Mancuso. Jeremy Mancuso's coach. I, and uh, I didn't know uh, if he was coaching at the time. I was about to say, if I was Matt Vitor, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I beat Nick Saban, you know, in 07. <laughs> I would say that every time I sat yeah. down. Yeah. So, Jay, give me some Nick Saban. Uh, give me some nuggets that you got on Nick Saban. So, Nick Saban, he was uh, – at the Cleveland Browns from 91 to 94 as a defensive coordinator under Bill Belichick. So then he got offered a head coaching job at Michigan State in 95. And he coached there from 95 to 99. And one nugget his first year at Michigan State, he lost to LSU in the Independence Bowl. I did not know that. So, yeah. So – he went 35 and 24 and one at Michigan State his last year there. He uh, they went 10 and two, which you know I didn't realize that. And they got to they actually got to number five ranking on the year. Then they lost two in a row. But uh, so 99 he, he went 10 and two. He went like six and five, six and six, seven and five, six and six. And then the last year he went 10 and two. So I guess that would skyrocket him up to the LSU job. Um, so he went ten and two his last year, and then he he got hired on LSU from two thousand to two thousand and four at LSU. And what's crazy about that is that Jerry DiNardo was at LSU from ninety five to ninety nine, and he replaced Jerry DiNardo. He replaced Curly Hallman, who came from um, Southern Miss. And Curly Hallman, yes, a lot of LSU fans who's the worst coach LSU's ever had. It was a lot of them will say Curly Hallman. Because Curly Holman, he was there from '91 to '94, and they went Curly Holman. They went five and six, two and nine, five and six, four and seven in his four years. So he went 16 and 28 in four years as a head coach at LSU. Jesus, Curly. But the reason why they hired Curly Holman was because he was at Southern Miss from 1988 to 1990, and they got ranked twice his last two years and was. Pretty good at Southern Miss, but do you know why they was pretty good at Southern Miss? Is it? Is it? Please tell me, Brett Favre. Brett Favre was the quarterback, so LSU f- fans found out real quick that it wasn't Curly Holman was a good coach. It was because he had Brett Favre for three years. He had one of the greatest <laughs> quarterbacks. Wait, that's yeah. that's some real foreshadowing to uh, Ed Ogeron in my mind uh, with Joe Burrow. Sorry. I said that's some foreshadowing Sorry, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so. I mean, you can say that with a lot of coaches. With, whoa, you know, like whoa, whoa. I'm not trying to get you mad. I'm not trying no, to get no, you no, mad. No, 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 no. I'm just, no, I'm just saying. You say a lot of coaches like uh, absolutely Jim, Jim Jimbo with Jameis. Uh, absolutely. You say that with uh, what's you his name? Cam, uh, with Auburn, Cam Newton and and Gene Chizik is definitely one of Gene them. Gene Chizik. I couldn't think of Gene Chizik. But anyway, so LSU fired him in '94. So the LSU 
was in football was in such a bad state at that time that they hired the head coach at Vanderbilt, Jerry DiNardo. Jerry DiNardo went 18 and 26 at Vanderbilt. So he went five and six, four and seven, four and seven, and five and six at Vanderbilt. So you you know LSU program had to be in a bad state if they hire a losing coach from Vanderbilt. At Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. How the hell did he get the job? So, I, I don't know. If that was that's how bad that's how bad it was in. Yeah. Yeah. So so like I said, they they won you know eleven games in two years under under uh, Hallman's last two years. Nora gets there. He goes seven and four, which ain't bad. And by the way, when they interviewed Donardo, his first interview, very first interview for LSU, after the interview was over with, you know, the, they when they recognized him as the head coach, the interview was over with, and the cameras turned off, and and they said, "Well, coach, what's the first thing you're gonna do as LSU head coach?" He said, "When I get done talking to you, I'm getting in my car and driving to Karen Crow to go see a certain running back." <laughs> So he went, he went to Kevin Falk. I look up in my beautiful podcast studio and I see a beautiful signed jersey of Kevin Falk. Shout out Kyle Broussard for getting me that. Thank you. And he, Jay, he signed it all eyes on three. Pooh, that was a bad man. Oh, yeah. So he went and got Kevin Falk. So 95, they went 7 and 4. 96, they went 10 and 2. 97, they went 9 and 3. But it, in that year, they beat the number one ranked Florida team in Tiger Stadium and they tore down the goalposts and it was if you ask LSU which is the top best games that ever happened in Tiger Stadium, a lot of people that were there will say the ninety seven game against Florida or the two thousand seven game against Florida. Yep. Everybody always circles them two games as two being the be- two of the better games ever played in Tiger Stadium. So then after the ninety seven season they kind of fell off. They went four and seven and then three and eight the last two years. So then they and they uh, they hired Nick Saban as the LSU coach in 2000. So in 2000, his first year, they went eight and four, uh, five and three in conference, which ain't bad, you know. But they, the the bad thing about that is they lost to UAB at home, Oof. ten to thirteen. His first year. So his first year at Alabama had a bad loss to ULM. First year LSU had a bad loss to UAB. Uh, the next year, 2001, he, he brought in unbelievable recruiting class in 2000, um, and so then they they were 10 and three and won the SEC versus Tennessee that year. The next year, they they lost some players, of course, and they went eight and five. And in 2003, they went 13 and one, won national championship. The only loss that came was against Florida at home. They lost 19 to seven. And then they beat uh, Oklahoma in that championship 21 to 7. And that championship game that year in 2003. Of course, everybody remembers that, knows that. In 2004, they went 9 and 3. And uh, they lost to Iowa in the bowl game. And they barely beat Troy that year. So Troy gave us this way back when, 2004. Troy was up 20 to 24. Uh, when they beat Troy 20 to 24, Troy went up 20 to 17 with four minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. LSU scored with two minutes left to go up and beat them 24 to 20 at the end <laughs> against Troy. Jesus. It's almost so after after 2004, I guess I don't know what happened. I don't know if, you know, if 
he couldn't get a, a contract negotiation. Or he couldn't. Uh, he wanted more money, or he just wanted to test the waters in the NFL. I don't know what happened, but he left LSU to go to Miami, a hurricane. I mean, Miami uh, Dolphins and the pros in 2005, 2006. He got there, and I just he went, they went nine and seven his first year, and then six and ten the second year. And I just did, I don't think he was happy because he couldn't have full control of everything. And I think it made him upset that, and I don't know this from. You know, I don't know the guy personally. I just this is what I hear and read and whatever that he he could control the guys because they were making more money than he was. You know, the the top notch NFL guys. So he left there. He had he signed a five year contract with Miami. He cut he after two years. He uh, Alabama hired him to an eight year thirty two million dollar contract. And at the time in two thousand and seven, that was he was one of the highest paid coaches in college or NFL at that time. So like you said, they, they only lost 25 games since 2007. And what's crazy is the first five games that they coached, he coached against LSU, LSU started three and two versus. Les Miles and Matt Hatter started three and two against Nick Saban. I know that feels like such a long time ago, but it, that was so oh, awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, and then, I mean, and then the, the sixth game ended up being the national championship game, so. That sucks, you know, but nobody wants to remember that. You know, we don't forget all about that. That's right. And <laughs> so, so Jay, do you know the story of uh, that? That's it's went viral a couple times, but it's it popped up here lately again on Nick Saban whenever he uh, left Michigan State for LSU and he, in the airplane for his assistant coaches. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, they said something about when when Brian Kelly got uh, hired at LSU. He didn't Brian Kelly leave South Bend to go to California on a recruiting trip. And in the air, he agreed to uh, for LSU coaching job. By the time he landed, he was LSU's coach in California. Something like something along that line. And they talked about that, comparing it to Nick Saban. Same thing. So it's a, it's a little different. So Nick Saban, uh, I've heard this story, man, three or four times. And uh, I even heard Scott Wilbert's take on it because it was 100% true. It's uh, Nick Saban. They offered him over a million dollars, which at the time was not a real thing in college football. I mean, there was a couple guys like Bob, uh, Bobby Bowden and uh, maybe the the old Penn State coach, whatever the hell his name Joe, was. Joe Pa. Joe, Joe Pa. Pa. There was a couple guys making over a million, but they gave Nick over a million to uh, come to LSU. And uh, so he comes, meets the athletic department, t- calls all of his coaches back at Michigan State and says, hey, there's a plane leaving at 8 a.m. Be there at the airport. In East Lansing Airport, if anybody who wants to come, you got a job in Baton Rouge. I'll see y'all tomorrow evening. Not one single soul got on the plane, Jay. Yeah, I forgot about. It. Yeah, I do. I do remember hearing that. I, I thought. I thought you meant like he left all of his coaches. Like, oh, we're going somewhere, and he left and went to LSU. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> that is, isn't that crazy that you they you, nobody wanted to work for him. He, nobody wants to work for this. You know, he is. Was a lot more high strung back then too. Well, would you say that um, a couple podcasts ago about Dan Mullen, he was going to go to Alabama and go through what? I don't remember. The Nick Saban car wash. Or oh something? yeah, go through the car wash. Yeah, it's like Sark, just like Kiffin. I mean, yep, he's done it. Uh, I, I think of, I think of Kirk, uh, well, Kirby Smart didn't have have to go through the car wash. He's his guy. 
No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the car wash of, of of all the used head coaches. That, uh, Butch Jones, by the way, Butch Jones Butch, is coaching Butch like Jones. Arkansas State now. After he yeah. was an offensive analyst for. It. All right, so got a little backstory on Nick Saban. Everyone, you know him, you love him, you hate him. I I, re- I don't remember watching the 2004 national championship game. I was 13 years old. Uh, you know, I, I remember seeing all people yeah, wearing I paraphernalia. A, I remember people. Yeah, see- I was, Go ahead. I was a freshman in high school, 2003. Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm three or four years younger than you, so I mean, I remember. Uh, I remember people wearing like national national championship stuff everywhere for LSU. Nick Saban was the coach, but I I didn't care about that back then. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't start giving a shit till oh seven oh eight. So uh, I'm thankful because it, it, banners fly forever, flags fly forever. LSU will always have that national championship from Nick, but he's made my life a living hell that I can remember. So, yeah, and and a lot of people giving credit to from kickstarting LSU program to where it is now or where it was you know and i think that's 2011. fair 2011 and that is fair I, I, I do agree with that would you say that les miles's national championship had a little bit to do with nick saban yeah i don't think a lot of people say that it was nick saban's players i don't think it was his players but because i mean nick saban left in 04 and and miles won it in you know and seven so i mean it was some but he doesn't got he doesn't got the engine going he doesn't got it going where it was just every you Nick Saban, what he did best was wrap a net around Louisiana and just got all the Louisiana recruits. Before he got there, I mean, you had guys like Ed Reed, Reggie Wayne going to Miami. They wasn't staying at home in Louisiana playing LSU. Yep. You know, playing for LSU. So Nick got there and he started getting, you know, Andrew Whitworth, Marcus Spears, Michael Clayton. I mean, that's three for the best LSU recruits of all time, you know. He did put up a net around Louisiana. Some of those, some of those kids, some of those uh, seniors that was on that 07 team, they were Nick Saban recruits. I've heard them tell stories about playing oh, yeah, for Saban yeah, and less. Yeah. I, I think. Uh, I, I, where did where did Les Miles? When when did he? Man, it's such a weird question. When did we understand his incompetence? Is I guess the question I'm asking. <laughs> because we were all on the Les Miles train at one point in time. Everybody was at one point in time. But when did we start understanding about his incompetence? Is it whenever it he kept be, lying about the, the, the offense? It had to be after 2011, you know, after that couldn't cross a 50-yard line. And then the next year, um, 2012, when they had Mettenberger, who's one of the top five quarterbacks ever come out of LSU, they had zero, they had hardly no offense. It was like the one of the worst offensive teams in the SEC that year. And you and the very next year with a different coordinator, you've seen how good they was. It was one of the best offenses LSU's ever had. So if if he would have been so stubborn and had a better coordinator, and that's what that's what Les Miles' best thing was to do. He was the best thing or attribute he had was to get the players out of Louisiana, the best players of Louisiana. You know, because all Almost 95% of uh, football players growing up in the state of Louisiana want to play for LSU. I mean, I, I think that's fair. Or that's a normal number, you know. And Les Miles knew that and he got that. And what, what he what he would do is he got some of the best defensive coordinators. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
Chavis was a monster at yeah. one point in time. Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini was a real good defense coordinator for him for yep. three or four years. Yep. And as soon as he left, he got the chief. And after that, you know, he got Kevin Steele, which was good. Kevin Steele was and great he, for that one year, by the way. And Kevin Steele's but, still a great yeah, well, defensive coordinator. And he, started, and he started off kind of shaky. Uh-huh. But at the end of the year – He steadied the ship. Yeah, he, he got really good because, I mean, I mean, he had Kendall Beck with a linebacker. And, you know, they was good. Kevin Steele had and some got, great defenses at Auburn, man. He's great. I think he's a great defensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, I do too. And then he got Dave Aranda. So, I mean, yep. he's always had really good defensive coordinators to keep him – Floating, he would always and he wanted to medal. He wanted to medal in the offense. Yeah, he just if we would just stayed stayed his nose out of the offense and just recruited and been the they say he's a motivator. I don't know. I've never been in the locker room with him or nothing. Yeah, and the players would play for him really hard. That's another thing about him that that was crazy. That they played really hard for miles. Did you uh, did you happen to see uh? Tommy Moffitt go on uh, Matt Muscone and what he said about the t- 2011 National Championship game? No, I didn't. Tom, Tommy Moffitt came on for like over 30 minutes on Matt Muscone's show uh, in person, and he asked him about 2011, and he said, he said, man, we were beat to death. He said, Coach, he said, Coach Miles, he beat us to death that bowl season. All he wanted to do, full pad practice, full pad practice. He said the team was absolutely beat to shit come January. <laughs> That's having no pulse on your fucking team. Yeah, he's an idiot, man. He he was the guys played hard for him. All they did was I, all they knew was hard. All they did they practiced hard. They, I, you know. I wish, you know, I wish I, I knew T. Bob and I knew some of them guys. I wish I knew them personally. You know, like we know each other or something. I wish I could pull T. Bob to the side and ask him off the record what happened. Why didn't you play? Why didn't Lee start? What what happened? You know what happened really in the locker room. You know, uh, you hear all kind of stories. You hear all kind of stories where T. Bob fought Jefferson, and so just, you know. So, uh, so I mean, he, I know, I know he, what you're about to say is all hearsay. I, I want to know for like fact, you know, not just one person. I want to know for like three different people so I can get the actual facts. You know, Tommy Moffat did say on the same interview that there was no fight, and he and what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. It could be a lie. Yeah, yeah he said. He said I would just want to let y'all know I was there that night, and there wasn't no fucking fight. But. I am a firm believer of what happens stays in the locker room, happens in the locker room, stays in the locker room, so it could be a lie. Yeah. All right. Going straight into uh, – we, we talked about Nick and uh, all of his glory. Make me fucking want to kill myself. Uh, let's go straight into uh, the transfer portal, Jay, with uh, Alabama. Give us an update. You do a great job on that every week. People really do. They come to me and say, God damn, Jay's locked in on all that. <laughs> so – Jay, hit us with the transfer portal, how Alabama's been doing. Well, Alabama actually hasn't – you, you figured, how, how would you think they would do If you didn't look at it, how would you think Alabama would do uh, Great. Well, they've lost 22 guys to the transfer portal and only picked up five. Okay. I can name one of the now, guys they picked up. Jermaine Burton from Georgia. I do know they got him. Jermaine, Jermaine Burton from Georgia. You're right. So, the only five they picked up were uh, Tyler Harrell from Louisville. He was a third leading receiver at Louisville. He had 18 catches, 500 yards, six touchdowns. You just mentioned Jermaine Burton from Georgia, junior. He's a second leading receiver on Georgia's team, 26 catches, 500 yards, and five touchdowns. They picked up an offensive tackle from Vanderbilt, who who was supposed to come to LSU. You remember him, Tyler Steen, big boy from Vandy? I do. Big senior. It was in the, LSU was in the running. His LSU and Alabama was in the running. And, um, and then they picked up a, a running back from uh, – 
Georgia Tech, who's a junior, uh, Jameer Gibbs. He, uh, he, he led the team in rushing. He had 143 carries, 745 yards with four touchdowns. And he also was the second leading receiver on that team with uh, 36 catches, 470 yards, two touchdowns. So, you know, he had over 1,200 yards total offense and six touchdowns. So it's a pretty good year, man. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then, and then the last one, you know, the uh, fifth transfer they gained. Pick six, Ricks. Eli Ricks. Oh, my God. And, and that's what I told you. And out of all four of those transfers, I think – out of all five, I'm sorry, out of all five, four of them are projected starters except for Ricks. And now, that could change. You know, like depth charts are etched in sand, and this is just a projected depth chart. But – Right now, the projected depth chart, Elias Ricks is uh, second on the depth chart behind Kyrie Jackson, who's a senior cornerback. Uh, Have you been seeing anything about Nick Saban saying last year was a rebuilding year for them? I've seen that on uh, media days. and oh, He said was, they had a lot, of, a lot of young guys. Yeah, so Man. Alabama fans, you're the fucking worst because if you really believe that shit and that's your rebuilding year, was you going to the national championship losing? You're the worst. No one likes you. You will never understand the ups and the downs and how great they are because you've never experienced real downs because you're a bandwagon fan, especially if you're from here. Um, yeah. I didn't mean to get off it. I'm that, sorry. No, that's all right. My, my, uh, my old all used to say there was a special place in hell for Alabama fans. Let's go. It's in the, <laughs> it's in the eighth ring of hell in the very bottom. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so go ahead. No, and I said out of the transfers, you know, and then I was going to go tell you about the starters. You know, they lost who they lost and whatever on their starting or their starting 22. They lost uh, 11 guys from last year, man. They lost two uh, offensive linemen, uh, Evan Neal, who went to the first round to the Giants, a uh, left tackle. They lost uh, their three receivers, Jamison uh, Williams, uh, Mechie, and uh, Slade Bolden, the little slot receiver, and yep. their running back, Brian Robinson. Yep. Um, they lost all to the NFL. They lost five. They lost five guys on defense: two linebackers, a defensive tackle, and their two uh, their two cornerbacks. Lost all to the NFL, man. So, so they've lost a little bit. So, yeah, they lost it. They lost the uh, as far as the rebuilding year last year. I mean, when you lose eleven starters, and 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 trust me, it's Alabama. So you know they're gonna have guys. They're gonna have guys coming back, so, so the so the productivity that they lost. Uh, Robinson was the leading rusher. He had a uh, 271 carries, 1300 yards, and 14 touchdowns, which uh, he led the SEC in both. He was was third in yards and first in touchdowns in the SEC. Williams, which was their their leading wide receiver, he had 79 catches, 1,500 yards, and 15 touchdowns. He was first in yards and touchdowns in the SEC. Mechie was the second leading receiver. He had 96 catches, 1,200 yards, and eight touchdowns last year. So he was he was third in yards and seventh in touchdowns. And then then Bolden, the little slot receiver, he was a senior. He didn't go to the NFL, but he graduated eligibility. He he was uh he had forty two catches, four hundred yards, three touchdowns. So they lost uh they lost pretty good on the offensive side of the ball, man. Are are you hearing <clears throat> everything I'm hearing on the, the the podcast and shows I listen to are that 
it is a direct crash course for the national championship game to be Ohio State and Alabama. Are you hearing anything like that? No, I haven't been listening to any podcasts about Ohio State or Alabama, but, I mean, like you said earlier in today that Alabama or Ohio State, you know, just if you, if you pick them every year, you, I mean, you're not going to be wrong. I mean, do you think Georgia House? Do you think Georgia has a down year? I don't know, man. When you lose 15th in the NFL, that's, and I know Georgia has some really good recruits, and I haven't did my research on Georgia, so I can't tell you how good or bad they're going to be. I mean, I, I think they're going to win the East for sure, but I don't know. I, I don't know what they got coming back, and I know uh, I know they got Stetson Bitten coming back. I know that, but I know Kirby's been stacking up good classes. I know I know that helps. He has. He has. And uh, but <coughs> man, you got to think they take a little step back, you know? Yeah. They lost some so, dogs. So the returning players they have from last year, Bryce Young, obviously, Heisman Trophy winner, at 4,800 yards, 68% completion, 47 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, and projected to be top five pick, number one in NFL. Just depends what mock draft you look at. Okay. First first pick overall in the NFL, the top five. Wide, then the, they got a five-star wide receiver. He'll be a sophomore. He's a uh, – he got 15 catches, 192 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't have a lot, a lot of numbers and a lot of good games, but, you know, he's a five-star receiver sitting behind three guys that just try to go to the NFL. So you can't – then they got – we done talked about Ed Rusher, Will Anderson, 101 tackles, 17 and a half sacks. <laughs> I figured he'd have more than 101, by the way, though. Yeah, but usually your defensive linemen don't have that many. That, oh my god, I forgot! Number. I forgot he's. I keep he's thinking not, he's a linebacker. Well, well, they list him as a linebacker, but he's, he's that Demarcus Ware, yeah. Gordon Key, Mingo yeah. linebacker. It makes he, it makes he, sense he, now. Yes, yeah, so list him as a linebacker, but he has his hand in the dirt almost every play, or he yeah. stands up right at the line. So for him to have a hundred and one tackle is a crazy, it's crazy. Stat. You're right. So and then they got uh, their free, their starting safety, both starting safeties coming back, Battle and and Helms or whatever. He's a uh, both of them are seniors this year. Uh, the free safety had 87 tackles, which is third on the team, three interceptions, tied first, and then they had uh, what's his name from Tennessee, Tato Tato. Yeah, he's a <laughs> linebacker. Coming back. Yep. Yeah, he, he led the team in tackles with 111. Four sacks. They projected him to go number twenty-four, top twenty-five pick in the NFL, first round two, that okay. linebacker. And then so on their on their uh, their defensive backs, you know, they they got a linebacker, five-star sophomore Dallas Turner. He didn't get a, a whole lot of playing time. I mean, he had I think fifty or sixty tackles. But like I said, he's a five-star. Um, Elias Ricks is also a five-star transfer from LSU, which. He's probably going to start in the year, but they don't have him projected to start right now. And then old Kool-Aid, he's a five-star also. How the hell I didn't so hear I, about Kool-Aid in the recruiting circuit? <laughs> I know. Because uh, he just – I don't know. He just fell on a radar, I guess. But Yeah. So so all the recruiting classes that Nick Saban has, you, you think all these five-star. I looked it up. How many five-stars do you think are on the roster right now that Alabama has? If you had to guess. I had to guess? Yeah, I'd say twelve. Ooh, eleven. Okay, eleven five stars left Look, on the roster. See that would to the untrained IJ, you might could have got somebody. I know I'm not the biggest recruiting guy, but I bet somebody else would probably say 
Oh, they got 20 or so. Five, there's not as many five stars in, in the world as people think. No, I know. And that's what everybody – some people say. They got – LSU is so good, they got five stars all over the field. No, they don't. Not really. And they never no, they really don't. have. No, and they got four stars all over the place. They got four, they got four stars, you know, all over the field. But five stars, they, they don't – People just throw five star. Dozen. People throw five star yeah. around way too loosely. Yeah. So, so talking about five stars and stuff, we'll jump into the next uh, segment: uh, recruiting. How Nick Saban's done in recruiting. Okay. So, 2023, he has a number two class right now with 18 commitments. He has uh, four five stars and 11 four stars right now. He's number one in the SEC, of course. I think Notre Dame is still number one. LSU is a number eight class right now. Uh, since they picked up that five-star uh, freshman from uh, Baton Rouge on Saturday. Why not Shelton Sampson? Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, they're probably going to end up with number one class. So, Nick Saban has been there. You said this is his 16th year? 16th year. So, I don't really count 2007 as a recruiting cycle because he got there in 2007. He, he, didn't, really ha- he didn't really have – you know, he only had half a year to, to, to get a recruiting class. You know what I'm saying? So 2008, I consider his first his first recruiting class. 2008. Okay. So that's 15 recruiting from 2008 to 2022 is 15 recruiting cycle years. So in 15 recruiting cycle years, how many number one classes has Alabama had? If you had to guess. Oh my God. Uh, I'm gonna say eight. Eleven. Oh my God. Eleven. That's that is the only. <laughs> The only years that they didn't have a number one recruiting class was number 10. I mean, I'm sorry. 2010, they had a number five recruiting class. And 2018, they had a number five recruiting class. 2020, they had a number two recruiting class. And then 2022, this this past one, they had number two recruiting class, second to uh, A&M. So if you're a casual football fan and you're listening to this, are you, you should be seeing – how you get good in college football. It's it's recruiting, <laughs> recruiting, recruiting. Yeah. you got to have the best players there. It's, it's, recruiting is the, the lifeblood of every good program. Fact. Or every program. So, just, so in 2009, LSU had the number two recruiting class. Alabama had number one. LSU had number two. That year, they had uh, five-star, Ruben Randall, um, Russell Shepard, and they had Mingo, Montgomery, five-star Craig Lawson, Michael Ford. So that was a hell of a recruiting class for LSU, yep. and they were number two. So then we take another one, 2014, which people labeled that as one of the best recruiting classes of all time, Alabama. Uh, ESPN has a top 300, which is the top 300 players in America, and they had 19 out of their 27 signees in the top 300 Oof. that year. The only class to ever to uh, compare to that class was this year's or 2022. A&M? A&M. They had 24 out of the 31 signees all in the top 300 with eight eight five stars. It ain't because NIL, though, Jay. (laughs) Yeah, it's because their coaches uh, work really, really hard. But, yeah, that 2014 – Class that was that was really good, man. It was Fournette, Malachi Dupree, Jamal Adams, um, Jamal Adams, Clifton uh, Garrett, which was a five star linebacker. Then you had other guys like Trey Quinn, Ed Paris, 
Brandon Harris, Devon Gacho. And they had some studs in that class, man. Yep, I was, it was really crazy about Clifton. Yeah, we're crazy about Clifton Garrett. He never even really suited up for LSU. Nope. You know, I was excited for him, but he never really panned out at LSU. I think he ended up at UAB or something like that. So, yep. and then, um, and then 2016, LSU also had the number two recruiting class. Alabama had the number one. And that year, 2016, they had guys like Christian Fulton, Rashard Lawrence, Michael Divinity, Devin White, Ed Alexander. They had some studs, man, that year. Some bunch still of national champions two, on that man. team. Yeah, still number two, man. Yep. Crazy. I did not uh, I did not know that was a number two class. Which one? 2016? Yeah. Yeah. They, like I said, LSU's had a number two class like three times, and Alabama the number one. 2014 is LSU's best recruiting class they've ever had, yeah. ever. I mean, not not like as far as later on in the pros. I'm talking about just as far as ranking wise while yeah. they're in high school. Yeah, you know. The, and go ahead. Yeah, and in Alabama, that was the year they had their best ever. So it's Jesus hard. Christ. So that that 2014 would have been the number one recruiting class any year except for 2014. Yep. And uh, <laughs> that sucks. And even if what and if the couple of those swing players we could have got would have helped, like the Hootie Joneses, and it, I know that we were watching all yeah, those guys. Speedy, Speedy Knowles. Speedy Knowles, Hootie Jones. We were watching all those guys. Jerry Willis, that big defensive tackle. From, Went to uh, Florida and then ended up going to Miami. Hey, Cam Robinson, big left-handed left tackle, yep. you know, from North Louisiana. First rounder. That, that, yeah, that was loaded that year. Crazy year so, of talent. So, so, so in 15, 15 years, of, like I said, recruiting cycles, Nick Saban had 11 number one ranked recruiting classes, like I said earlier. How many five stars do you think he signed in 15 years? Golly, you got to think he did four or so a year. It's got to be over 40, right? 60. He oh, signed 60. God. Jesus Christ. 60. So how many five stars did LSU sign? Since the same time? Same time. I'm going to say 12. 32. God damn, a lot more than I thought. Yeah, yeah 32 five stars, man. That's double double the double the five stars. Yeah, double the five stars, you know. So. Double the five stars has calculated to uh, a lot <laughs> more. Yeah, a lot more championships. Triple oh, the championships. Triple the championships. <laughs> Jay, we're going straight into my favorite segment. It's called no. Back in Time with the Tigers. All right, Jay. Let's go back in time. These LSU so, versus Alabama games. Go ahead. So, I have I looked at my phone today. I keep all the games I've been to, and I've been to fifty-one LSU games. And my very first game I ever been to, nineteen ninety-six, number eleven, LSU versus number ten Alabama. November 9th, 1996, which was my birthday, by the way. My Uncle Kurt, my dad's brother, brought me to my first ever uh, Alabama game or LSU game. <laughs> and LSU was number 10, only losing uh, at Florida, who was number one Florida that year. LSU and Alabama only lost one game that year, too, going into that game. So they was both, you know, six and one. And by the way, Alabama lost the week before 
to uh, I didn't know this. I've been looking this up. Uh, to number six Tennessee. Why do why, why you think they lost to number six Tennessee in nineteen ninety six? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, baby, he was a junior. I'm on fire. So uh, anyway, so they go to LSU. LSU loses twenty six to zero that game. <sighs> First, that, that started the, the trend. Yeah. So as a as a nine year old, that started my uh, my hate for Alabama that year. Then Kevin Falk and uh, Booger McFarland were both sophomores on that team. Obviously, I don't remember much of the game because I was nine years old. And if I tell you about the game, I'll I'll remember all this. The only thing I remember is that how the Alabama fans were not obnoxious then. You know, that's Damn, all. I you do remember about. that? Oh, I remember them, them, these uh, old women just get the ball, man, the whole time. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I, I couldn't stand them back then, even though I was nine years old. I ain't as heartbroken as Daddy when he was eleven for Tennessee, but I'm I, pretty uh, pretty bad. But Booger Booger had eleven tackles that game, and and Falk had a bad game that game. He had four, fourteen carries, forty five yards, no touchdowns. So he ended up losing that one, twenty six nothing. Like I said, but then so I didn't go to another Alabama game until two thousand and twelve, and this was a uh, uh, November third, two thousand and twelve. Number five LSU seven and one versus number one Alabama who was eight and zero. And that year, you know, I've been to at the time I've been to like uh, five LSU games at the time. Uh, Ninety six Alabama, two thousand three Arkansas, two thousand four Arkansas State, and two thousand nine versus Arkansas. So I've been to four four games, you know, and then McNeese in two thousand ten. So I, I didn't really go to any really big games. I went to the Arkansas game, but that was a pretty big game where they was both ranked, but LSU beat them bad in 03. So I never really been to a real big game. So I wasn't I didn't fall in love with going to games at the time. So uh, one of my real good friends from South Cameron, who uh he listened to our podcast, Chance Doxy. Uh we became pretty good friends that year, year before, and uh he brought me to some games in twelve. They brought me to LSU Alabama 2012. And if you look on YouTube at uh, Scott Van Pelt, he said this is one of the best atmospheres he's ever seen in college football. That's one of my one of my favorite sound clips. I listen to it probably twice a year just to get the chill bumps. Yeah, it was unreal. Uh, that was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to. If, if, if they would have won that game, that would be by far the best game I've ever been to, by far. So they lost that game 21-17. to 17. Uh, Greg Sadawa was the OC that year, and LSU would just bubble screen you to death that year, if you remember. I do. Remember that? They just bubble screen, bubble screen. That was Matt's first year as a starter. Yep. And, man, and, and going into this game, Matt didn't have a lot of big games as far as stats goes. He only had two games where he passed for over 200 yards versus Towson and, and Idaho. So, in the week before – they played Alabama. They played Texas A&M, and Met only had 97 yards passing. Okay, that's it. 97 yards passing. So, you know, we knew that the defense was really good that year. LSU's defense was really good that year. You know, Eric Reed, uh, Mingo, Montgomery, Kevin Minner. You know, they was stud on defense. You knew they was good, but the question really was: Is could our offense be enough to keep us in the game? Because Alabama was rolling that year, you know, number one in the country, 8-0. So that game, um, LSU had 
335 yards of total offense. I'm sorry, 435 yards of total offense, while Alabama only had 330. A.J. McCarron had 165 yards and one touchdown, while Met was 24 for 35, 300 yards and a touchdown. And Jeremy Hill had 29 carries for 110 yards with a touchdown. So they they put up – that was one of the best offensive performances I've ever seen coming from, you know, just lower you to sleep, bubble screen offense they had. So LSU It's, it's was like they used the middle of the field that game. It's like yeah, – I, I remember it, it, I remember yeah, Jarvis oh, Landry. Man. If I felt like he – they could not guard jo, Jarvis Nodell that game. Oh, so so that game, like I said, I had tickets that game. Uh, Doxy gave me a ticket. We set probably some of the best tickets I've ever had. This was a top five matchup. We sat on like a 35-yard line, section 103 or something, uh, probably about uh, 35 rows up on the west side. And we sat right below us was uh, Odell Beckham's parents. And on the side of us was Lamar Lewis's parents. That's how that's how good the seats we had. Damn. Yeah. So, so LSU was down 14-3 at halftime. So 14 to three, and then LSU in the third and fourth quarter went on a 14 to zero run that Jarvis called that uh, touchdown in the end zone to put them up 17 to 14. Jay, I remember sitting, Jay, did that sitting place there. explode? Oh, look, it didn't explode at first because where we was in the student section behind us, we couldn't tell that he caught it. Yeah. So they, they threw it to the corner end zone. And when he caught, I said, I, I grabbed everybody. I said, did he catch it? And we started doing his little walk that he always uh-huh. did. I said, I said, I slapped him. I said, he caught it. He, and all of a sudden, they showed him a replay. Touchdown. It erupted, man. So they went up 17 to 14 with one minute left on the clock, man. So, so A.J. McCarron marches down the field. It's second and 10, less than a minute to go. He throws a little swing pass to T.J. Yeldon. Mingo misses a tackle. Craig Lawson misses him, and he waltzes in for a touchdown with 51 seconds left. Craig Lawson shit the bed. Oh, man, all he had to do was tackling, man. She was up. And they might have have kicked a field goal, but at least, you know, it would have been tied. I would like our chances going into overtime. I'm 90% sure he threw that to Yeldon, TJ Yeldon. Yeah, I said it. Okay, my bad, yeah, TJ Yeldon. Yeah. So then the next Alabama game I went to was 2014. 2014, LSU lost this game 13 to 20 in overtime. And your and your your boy had uh he was eight for 26, 76 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Wait, wait, wait. Who's my boy? <laughs> Who's your boy? Anthony Jennings. Anthony Jennings. That was my eight boy. Eight for 26. Eight for 26, Rob. Well, times was hard, Jay. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. So, so it was ten to ten with two minutes left in the game, in the fourth. LSU punted the ball to Alabama. Alabama returner let the ball go, and De- Deion Jones grabbed it at the one yard line. Okay, so so Alabama's got to march ninety nine yards down the field. They rushed the ball the first time to about the five yard line, I believe. I don't remember. The second play of that drive, Lamar Lewis smokes uh, T.J. Yeldon right in the middle of the line. Ball flies out. Kendall Beckwith to cover the ball on the seven-yard line. So I said, oh, was, I said, oh, my. And I was at that game. We were sitting in the south. Uh, no, yeah, we were sitting in the southwest corner. 
Oh, you know, it was way over there, so we, we all fired up, man. So Kendall Beckley recovered the ball, and I knew. I said, oh, we're going to win this game. We're going to win this. We know we had no reason. I think LSU was number 16. They were 7-2 and two going to that game. Alabama was number five. They were 7-1 and one going to that game. Yep. So Beckley recovered the punt. I'm sorry, recovered the fumble. They get the ball on the seven-yard line. First play, Terrence McGee goes for about three yards. So second and goal from the four, five-yard line, somewhere around there. All of a sudden, flags flying. We're thinking, what in the heck? But Dahl Alexander just starts shoving players on the ground and got a, a unsportsmanlike conduct backed us up to the 22-yard line. So they then they get to the 20-yard line, and Anthony Jennings gets to the middle of the field. You, your other favorite player, Delahousse, hits a 39-yard field goal to put them up 13-10 with 51 seconds left. Alabama has no timeouts. They'll choose up 13-10 with 51 seconds left. And I'm thinking – Hey, we still gonna win this game. What wouldn't you know? LSU stupid kicker kicked the ball out of bounds on the kickoff, gave Blake Sims the ball on the 35 yard line with no timeouts. They throw that to that tight end, OJ Howard, I think his name was. Yep. Kept throwing it to him on a little slants, getting out of bounds. Uh, Blake Sims avoided two tackles, uh, jumped out of bounds one time, got down to like the 10 yard line. They kicked a field goal to tie it up. They go into overtime. Alabama's first time they scored, you know, they scored seven. Uh, LSU gets the ball, Anthony Jennings. They go down, it's like first and 10 from the, I want to say the 15-yard line or something. They get down to third and 10. He throws a pretty bad pass across the middle to Trayvon Durall, batted down. Next play, fourth and 10. I think they go three or four wide. Anthony Jennings drops back, rolls to his left. If you watch the highlight, rolls to his left. If you look, there's nobody within 10 yards of him. All he had to do was run for a first down. He sits back, he throws it in double coverage in the end zone. It gets batted down. Ball game, man. Tigers lose. So that, Tigers lose. Break your heart two times in a row. And then the next, the next two we went to was 2016. And we really wanted to talk about uh, the only good thing about that game was it was 0 0 going into the fourth quarter. It was it was it was loud. The place was loud going to the it fourth was quarter. Loud. It was loud going to the fourth quarter. Zero to zero. You know, like Jalen Hurts, he, he didn't have that great of a game. He was, you know, when he threw that 19, pick, he threw that pick to Jamal Adams, that place went pretty pretty fucking loud. Oh man. The the two players that stick out to me other than Jamal and, and Tredavious, you know, but the two that stick out to me big time was uh Duke Riley and uh, what's his name? Number 13, Dwayne. Um, can't think of his name right Thomas? Now. Thomas, he's on the staff. He was on the staff last yeah, year. Yeah, Dwayne Thomas. That, he had, they had two of the best games that year, man. And then, and then another thing that sticks out was that Calvin Ridley was supposed to be, you know, supposed to be, you know, the best receiver in college or whatever. Trey White shut him down, man. He had, Two catches for twenty three yards. Trey, Trey, we is that dude, by the way. Yeah, oh, I know. So um, that that one, that one was uh, I, what I remember of that game. I was there. The stadium was very loud. Jalen was a freshman. He threw the pick to Jamal. It was zero zero going in the fourth quarter. That was one of the loudest games I've ever been to. I don't know if it was the loudest, but it was very loud. 
And then I went to, me and you also went to the 2018 Bama game, which was the worst, one of the worst games I've ever been to. That was LSU was number three, Joe Burrow's first year there. Bama was number one. They beat us 29 to nothing. Joe was running for his life. That was an absolute shit show. No one wants to hear about that. I end up going to the uh, COVID year. I went, I went to uh, LSU versus Bama. Devontae Smith has this Heisman movement over Derek Stingley. You got your vaccine to go to that game? Nope, I wore my mask. <laughs> and, uh, Did you wear a mask the whole game? Uh, I had to wear one in when you got in the stadium and sat down. I don't think oh, you had okay. to. Okay. I can't really remember, but uh, Alabama won fifty-five to seventeen. Devontae Smith had his Heisman moment. They killed us, yada yada. That's uh, that's our segment from back in time with the Tigers, man. That's uh, God, that's rough to hear. There's a lot of heartbreak there. The one that really, really sticks out to me, and you went in depth on it, was twenty twelve. I always refer to that as the heart attack game, and that's just a joke between me and Lacey because when Jarvis Landry caught that goddamn touchdown, Jay, I told her my, I had chest pains. I, 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 and, and what you <laughs> like, didn't touch like, on, what you didn't touch on. like Fred Sanford? I was, I was oh. a big one. <laughs> and what you didn't touch on was the last time we had played Bama was when they broke our heart in the national championship game and we didn't get past the yeah. 50. So to see in that second half, Zach Mettenberger and Jarvis and Odell and Jeremy have all the success. When Jarvis caught that touchdown, I remember sitting on the edge of my couch saying, Lacey, I'm going to have a goddamn heart attack. I remember having <laughs> literal chest pains as a 24-year-old man at that time. Thought I was, I thought I was going to die. So that, that that's a great memory. Even though we lost, like Scott Van Pelt said, you didn't really lose because there's something bigger and better going on there in a Tiger Stadium. Hopefully we get back to that Tiger Stadium because it ain't really been that Tiger Stadium in a while. Other than 2019, Joe had some. We had some special yeah, moments 20, there. Yeah, 2018, 2019 was pretty good. That's some but, special. But other than that, man, it was kind of pabal in the middle of all that, and then on the last two yeah. years it's been poo poo. All right, <laughs> we're going right into the prediction of this game, Week 10, November the 5th. Both teams off of a bye week. It's at home. Jay, what what do you have the the Tigers going into right now? I think I, I think I have them only losing to Florida at this time. Oh, did, did yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still torn apart about the Tennessee one. So I'm still I know I took LSU to win that game, but so so we're realistically gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna circle we're gonna we're gonna circle back to that one. We get we get the A and we're gonna circle back to that one. Okay, but, so I got them losing one or or or, or undefeated at this point. Wow, what a what a great year for Brian Kelly either way though, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it should be. I think so too, man. I, we we got too much talent to not make a little bit of noise this year though, man. Yeah, we have way too much talent like you just said. All right, Jay, give me your prediction. LSU versus Bama, week 10, November 5th. <sighs> I mean, I'd have to be crazy to, to pick LSU against the arguably the best coach of all time. You know, have, you know what they LSU they played them sixteen times and since two thousand seven and LSU's won four out of the sixteen. LSU uh, Bama has won two out of the last three and ten out of the last eleven. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully LSU, hopefully they can win, but I, hopefully they keep it close. You know, if they play a game like last year where you know, last year they wasn't supposed to be in it. They weren't supposed to be in the game last year. Nope. And they they had they could have should have won it. They had a chance to go down and win the game last year, even though last year was a terrible year. They had a they had a chance to knock off the number one 
Alabama team. And what's crazy is that LSU always plays better at Bama, and they play worse at home. So this game's at home. I had it. Yeah. So if I, I mean, I, I got Bama winning, but like I said, hopefully it's a, a lot better game than than I, I hope it is. I'm gonna touch on that. I think Bama's gonna win, but hopefully going into that first weekend in November, that Jay like. We've we've outkicked our coverage as in Kelly has done a lot better than what everybody thought. Man, if we were one loss, if we were undefeated, I mean that would just be magical. You know what I mean? But Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. If we got one loss, even if it's two losses, that would put us at like six and two. I'm not really sure. Seven and two. So so that that twenty nine to zero team that they lost at two thousand eighteen. Okay. LSU was seven and one going into that game. Only team we lost to yeah. was Florida. So I mean, number three team in the country. So do you think this team could be just as good as that 2018 team? I th- I think there's I can't. It's so hard for me to answer that now because you're looking in the rear view of Joe Burrow as our quarterback. But yeah, but I mean that was a, that was his first year. You know what I'm saying? I know, but I, st- I still think that he had the yeah. the Georgia game, the intangibles of that. And, but except you're right, I I, don't, I would not be surprised, Jay. And it would be so magical. I just want, I just want it to, I just want us to be like, you know what? This at this point in the season, maybe we have a grasp on Brian Kelly. Maybe we have a grasp on Mike Denbrock and Matt House. And maybe we have faith in our coaching staff and faith in our players and our as a, a fan base, we're rejuvenated. So my goal is to be rejuvenated for that fucking game on November the fifth. And that in that 2018 season. You know, 2014, 15, 16, you know, they lost some games. 17, they lost some games. But those games didn't really hurt. They didn't hurt your feelings. Because, you know, that wasn't expected, but you know what I'm saying? They didn't hurt your feelings. 2018, that hurt my feelings losing to Florida and losing to, you know. It really did. It really did, Jerry. And and that's that's what's good. That's that's a good thing. That's right. You know, 2020 and 21, it didn't hurt my feelings when they lost. It just – but when it hurts your feelings because you know you have a good team, that's when, when it's hurt. That's when it matters. That's 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 a good feeling, man. That's what I want to get back to. Yeah. Even if we're not going to be picked to win this game, but if it hurts, it hurts. What a good way to end the podcast. I'll never forget that. Uh, if it hurts, that's when it when it that's when our fanhood is at its best. So, yeah. Jay, I appreciate you. Week ten, we've made it this far. Everything's going good, man. I sure appreciate you, bro. Uh, This is Winner's Win.